Welcome, welcome, welcome into Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by Students For You. My name is Peter Roman, and over the next hour, I will be going through some of the biggest moments in the world of sports and playing some great music along the way. My music theme for today is 90s music, so all my music will be from the from 1990 to 1999 type of thing. Next week, I'll have 80s music, so a lot of fun things to look forward to in my music selection. And of course, sporting-wise, this week, World Track and Field Championships. I'm going to recap what went down in that competition because there was there was a lot to say the least including a national record set by a canadian and i'll tell you what that what what that is coming up a little bit later i also have nfl week five to recap whole bunch of games whole bunch of storylines i want to get to and of course european soccer recap i haven't gotten to do yet and so i'll go through all five major leagues and take a quick little peek at the champions league that has gone through two match days so far but of course i'm going to start with the mount royal cougars soccer teams that i've been covering here on my show for the last few weeks and so i will start with the two of them and i will start first with the men's team because they played two games this weekend and they happened to split both of them. They lost in Saskatchewan but defeated Lethbridge away. And with that win against Lethbridge, they secured first place in the Prairie Division, which is unbelievable and a fantastic achievement for the team. So that means the men's team will be hosting a playoff game for the first time since Mount Royal became a university, which is unbelievably cool. And so there's now two games remaining for the men's team on their schedule. But, of course, I mean, it's not to say the hard work is done necessarily, but a lot of it kind of is. They have first place secured, and so now they'll get to host a home playoff match. They'll get to play the number four seed from the Pacific Division, which, if the playoffs started today, would be UBC Okanagan. Right now, it's very tight in the Pacific Division, so it's really tough to say what school it might be, just because University of Victoria are second place, but they're only a little bit ahead right now of what Trinity Western are, who are currently in third. Trinity Western aren't that far ahead of UBC Okanagan. And then even maybe UFV could still possibly catch up as well. A lot to be decided in the Pacific Division. In the Prairie Division, Mount Royal has first place. Right now, Saskatchewan and Calgary are battling for the number two spot. And U of A seem to be pretty locked in to the number four spot at this current moment, with McEwen and Lethbridge being the odd two schools out. But again, massive congratulations to the men's team clinching first place. And they will get to host a playoff game, which is unbelievably exciting. They'll get to host the playoff game October 26th will be the playoff date that they will get to host. So very excited about that, without a doubt. And I guess now the focus for the team, now that they have that secured, it's kind of, you don't ever want to take your foot off the gas, obviously. But as a team that's already, you know, kind of secured in their spot, you don't want to necessarily, you don't want to take any unnecessary risks. And I think that's the biggest thing going forward for this team is just if there is a player who's dealing with maybe a nagging injury that they've been playing through or something, you know, this is the time where they can get a little bit more rest, a little bit more recovery, and then that way they'll be ready to go come playoff time. Moving on from the men's team to the women's team, women played a doubleheader on Saturday and Sunday here at Mount Royal this weekend. Unfortunately, they lost both matches. The first game, though, I mean, they were just unlucky. Like, they really were. I thought they played a tremendous match in throughout, like, the entire 90. I think they played really well. It was easily the best game I've seen out of the Mount Royal women's soccer team. And they were just, their passes were on point. They were switching the field really well. They were finding gaps in the defense. They had a lot of great scoring opportunities in this game and they were just finding gaps they were crisp on their passes like it was a really good performance and they had a two to one lead in this game and it's just got a little unlucky they gave up a penalty which i mean i didn't have the greatest view of a little 
little iffy sometimes on some of those penalty calls and it's just it happens sometimes sometimes you don't get the luck of the bounces in sports and so that's i think was the case here on sunday they lost unfortunately one nothing to saskatchewan that game was a lot more difficult for them just a lot not as many scoring chances being created in this match but you know what Despite the fact that, yeah, the season maybe hasn't gone as well as they would have liked, they're still very much in the playoff race. And I think that is something that I think should still be very motivating to them. Because Mount Royal currently, because you need to be on the women's side, you need to be in the top six in order to make the playoffs. And so right now, Lethbridge sits in sixth place. But Mount Royal gets to play Lethbridge this weekend, October 12th, at Mount Royal. By the way, I encourage everybody to come watch the because there's going to be a double header as well because the men's team is playing a rescheduled match this weekend. So October 12th, double header men's and women's games. I highly recommend everybody come and watch and support the soccer teams. And so the women's team in particular, they're going to be playing a massive game against Lethbridge that they pretty much have to win. And then they'll be traveling away to Winnipeg about a week later. And so that will be another vitally important game that they'll need to win. And again, if they win both these games against Lethbridge and Winnipeg, they could easily find themselves in the playoffs. And so that would be that would be a great ending to the season and great momentum going into a playoff match that you never know. It's so it they're one game eliminations. And the way I like to think about it is just as long as you get in, you never know what can happen. And so definitely still a ton to play for for this team. And yeah, once again, congratulations to the men's team clinching first place. Massive achievement. And so that's pretty much all I have to say. October 12th, both teams play. And so definitely I encourage anybody listening to this program to go out and watch those games because they should be they should be really good to go watch. I'm at this very current moment looking at what my weather app says. It is not supposed to snow on Saturday. So I encourage everybody to come and watch and support the soccer teams. Anyway, coming up in the rest of my show, NFL Week 5, where, yeah, there's, there's a lot that definitely has changed. One thing that hasn't changed is the battle for the number one pick. And so I'm going to break down those three teams and we'll see who might have the best chance of coming away with maybe a win at some point because right now we have four teams with sitting with zero wins on the season european soccer recap big five leagues a little bit into the champions league and of course the world track and field championships my music today like i said at the top of my show i'm doing 90s music today and so i'm going to start with just the one song in my first music break and that is smash mouth with all-star you're listening to Mount Royal University's CMRU.ca by students for you. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming Fed to the rules and I hit the ground running Didn't make sense not to live for fun Your brain gets smart but your head gets dumb So much to do, so much to see So what's wrong with taking the back streets? You'll never know if you don't go You'll never shine if you don't glow Hey now, you're an all-star Get your game on, go play Hey now, you're a rock star Get the show on, get paid And they say it gets colder You're bundled up now, wait till you get older But the media men beg to differ Judging by the hole in the satellite picture The ice we skate is getting pretty thin The water's getting warm so you might as well swim My world's on fire, how about yours? That's the way I like it and I'll never get bored Hey now, you're an all-star Get your game on, go play Hey now, you're a rock star Get the show on, get paid Go for the moon. Go for the moon. 
Go, go for the moon. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. And all that glitters is gold. Only shooting stars. Somebody wants, ask, could I spare some change? Well, gas, I need to get myself away from this place. I said, yep. What a concept, I could use a little fuel myself and we could all use a little change. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming, back to the rules that I'll hit the ground running. Didn't make sense not to live for fun, your brain gets smart but your head gets dumb. So much to do, so much to see, so what's wrong with taking the back streets? You'll never know if you don't go, you'll never shine if you don't glow. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. And all that glitters is Only shooting stars break the mold. And all that glitters is Only shooting stars break the CMRU by students for you. Back to moments of genius here on CMRU.ca by students for you. I'm into my second segment of the day, and that is recapping NFL Week 5 action. Wow, we're already through Week 5. NFL is so fun, but it just flies by. And, well, I'll get straight to it. My first storyline... Russell Wilson is the MVP. This is just a personal opinion. I know that there are certainly people who will think otherwise, and that's perfectly fine. I don't think he's a unanimous consensus MVP by any means. But for me, through five weeks of the season, Russell Wilson is the most valuable player right now. I mean, he's been carrying the Seattle team for the last couple of years, but with the win over the Rams on Thursday night, they're first place. And Wilson is just unreal with the football. He really is. Like, I don't know if there's any quarterback in the NFL that can do more with less on the offensive line than Russell Wilson. Because if you think about every other really good quarterback in football, they have a pretty good O-line, or at least a lot better than Seattle's O-line anyway. And I I get Seattle's O-line isn't quite as bad as what it was a few years ago, but this offensive line still isn't spectacular. And Wilson is just so nimble, so mobile, and so accurate at throwing the football. He j- just makes plays. That's all he does. He just makes plays in the pocket. And for anyone who watched that game against the LA Rams, like that's what he did constantly. And I think that was displayed beautifully on the game-winning touchdown where he shook off a tackle and threw. And then he faked like he was going to rush for the touchdown, and instead threw it perfectly to a wide-open Chris Carson who almost dropped it. And that's the other thing, too. Russell Wilson, the big, I think the biggest reason why I consider him my MVP at this current moment, outside of Tyler Lockett, does he really have a decent receiver on that team? Not really. Wilson's doing this largely with sub-talent at wide receiver. And yeah, Chris Carson's a pretty good running back, but Seattle's run game isn't what it was last year. It's regressed, and so he's had to pick up a lot of the slack. And he's done that exceptionally well this season. So, Russell Wilson, storyline number one. He is my MVP of the season so far. Storyline number two. I really hope Patrick Mahomes is okay. That was, for anyone who watched Sunday Night Football, that was a scary moment when he hurt his ankle in the first half and came up limping and that was concerning in itself but it looked like he shook it off it looked like he was you know relatively okay in the second half and then he ends up getting basically this happens in soccer sometimes where the player goes in with their cleats and hits them in the ankle studs up Mahomes had this happen to him by his own teammate his left guard, Andrew Wiley, ended up getting pushed back into him, and his studs went straight up into the ankle of Patrick Mahomes. And thank goodness his ankle was wrapped 
because even though he came up limping and it looked really bad, he was able to finish the game, but I don't think he was healthy. I think he seriously has an issue with his ankle right now, and that's unbelievably concerning because, I mean, Mahomes is such a fun player to watch, but also Kansas City, if he's hurt and if he's limited in any way, they are not a threat to the Patriots. In order for Kansas City to be a threat to New England, they have to be able to utilize Patrick Mahomes at his peak, which is, you know, incorporating everything that makes him great. His mobility, his arm strength, his flashiness, his athletic ability, all of that. You need that on display. If Mahomes isn't able to move... He's not the same quarterback. And it's not that he he's bad necessarily just having to stand in the pocket. But if he can't move out and roll out, I mean, you saw last season where he made all these spectacular plays. The no-look throws, the sidearm throws, like all of that. But he's moving outside the pocket to do this because he's trying to extend the play and give his playmakers time to get open. If he can't move around, I mean, Kansas City, you're still going to be good, but... They're not Super Bowl good if he's limited. The Chiefs also just have a whole bunch of injuries right now. Chris Jones, their best pass rusher, he left the game with an injury. Sammy Watkins didn't play with an injury, although he might be back this week. Tyree Kill finally returned to practice, and so that's at least good news for the Chiefs. But they need their players to get healthy again. And it reminds me a little bit of the Philadelphia Eagles situation. Although, certainly, I don't know. Maybe this is just my experience from watching a lot of the American sports media. I don't think Carson Wentz got as much of a pass as he should have with the fact that any team outside of the Patriots, again, because Tom Brady's just ridiculous, but outside of them, if you took out the top two receivers on any team, they would struggle. Kansas City had their top two receivers taken out, and they struggled in this game. I will give credit to Indianapolis, though, too. I think they did a fantastic job in this game, and they really exposed the fact Kansas City doesn't have a great defense, and they were able to keep time of possession really high. They ran the ball extremely well using that offensive line, and Marlon Mack, of course. Jacoby Brissett was good and efficient, and that's kind of all they needed him to be last night. So credit to the Colts as well. They did fantastic, but of course, the Colts, I mean... It's not that they couldn't make a run in the postseason, but would you expect Indianapolis to be able to win an AFC Championship game in either Arrowhead or Foxborough? Probably not. And so Kansas City are kind of the the one real challenger to New England at this very moment. And without their MVP quarterback, we'll have to wait and see. Anyway, storyline number three. The Bears' defense is usually great except for clutch situations. So, I know I know Bears fans might be mad about the fact that I'm going to criticize their defense. And granted, yes, I know. That's not the biggest problem in the Bears. The Bears' biggest problem is offense right now. Matt Nagy's having a real hard time just getting his offense going like it was last season. Maybe defensive coordinators have latched onto him a little bit, but we'll have to I think we need a larger sample size for that. But Nagy's offense has struggled, and I know Chase Daniel started a quarterback for them against Oakland, but Trubisky or Daniel doesn't really matter. They haven't been very explosive this year. And outside of Allen Robinson, you haven't exactly gotten great performances out of the Bears' offense. So I get it. The Bears' offense is more... They're the bigger problem than the defense. But this is a concerning trend for me with this Bears' defense because the whole concept of defense wins championships in football is about defense making situational stops and helping the offense the Bears defense is great for pretty much most of the game but then when you get down into those late game clutch time situations they're not the best and that's because over the last few years, they've given up a lot of game-winning, game-tying drives in the last like couple of minutes. I look back at last season, the Green Bay Packers game in Week 1, the Miami Dolphins game, I believe that was Week 4 of last season, and then the playoff game against the Philadelphia Eagles. They gave up late-game touchdown-winning drives in all three of those contests. And so, 
it's not great. Like, just because the defense plays well from quarters one through three, if they start folding in the last three minutes, that's not great. You need those stops on defense. It's so, so important to get those stops, to get those big-time possession, game-winning possession stops. And this is something Chicago's defense struggles with. And this year, you look at the Denver game, and I mean, yeah, they pulled out the win there, but Joe Flacco went and scored a game-winning touchdown. Or at least could have been a game-winning touchdown, I should say. They obviously lost. But Flacco scored what could have been a game-winning touchdown in the final two minutes against the Bears in that game. And then Oakland did it this weekend. I'm not saying the Bears' defense. Obviously, the offense is the far bigger problem in Chicago. But I don't think the defense is absolved completely from Chicago's... And I guess 3-2 and two isn't that bad, but it has been a slightly disappointing start for the Chicago Bears. I think their defense is partly responsible for this, too. And that's because they're great most of the time. But you have to make those clutch stops. In those final two, three minutes, you need to get off the field and you need to make plays as a defense. And Chicago is just not doing that right now. And they weren't doing that last year either. So, a little bit concerning for me. And finally, storyline number four, the battle for the number one pick this year is going to be real fun. So there are four teams that currently have zero wins on the season. The New York Jets, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Miami Dolphins, and the Washington Redskins. Of those four, the New York Jets are probably the team that doesn't belong in that group, and that's just because the Jets got hit by the fact that not only did Sam Darnold, their starting quarterback, extract mono and was has been out for the last several weeks. But their backup quarterback, Trevor Simeon, broke his ankle in the first game he played. So it's been the third-string quarterback for them. So that obviously makes it very difficult. C.J. Mosley's also been dealing with a whole bunch of injuries. He's their best player on defense. That doesn't help them either. And so I feel like the Jets' situation is more injury and schedule-based because not only have they gone through all these injuries, but their schedule has been brutal. They had Buffalo in Week 1, which is tough because divisional game. I know they blew a lead in that one, but still a tough divisional game. And then they had Cleveland on Monday night, which was always going to be tough, especially when the back of quarterback gets his ankle broken. And then Week 3, you end up with the New England Patriots, which is just adding insult to injury and then i mean the yeah you got a bye week and then the eagles like and then next week they get the cowboys and the week after they get the patriots again like the jets are going to be 0 and 6 i'm fairly confident in saying that the jets will be 0 and 6 and then they get the easy games and then they start playing miami and they start getting a whole bunch of winnable games for them. So I think the Jets, despite the fact they're winless, and they'll probably remain winless for the next little while, I do think they're better than what their record states, and that's just because when they get semi-healthy, I think they'll win some games this season. Not saying a lot of games, but I think they'll win some this year. The other three candidates are very promising for an 0-16 season this year. The Washington Redskins just fired their head coach this morning. Jay Gruden was fired, and the interim coach is the assistant coach who's also the offensive line coach. And so Washington are a team that currently has a weird quarterback situation, has their best offensive player, Trent Williams, holding out, has an unhappy Adrian Peterson, a super injured, like, team period and a heavily underperforming defense and they lost to the Giants if you lose to the Giants you know you're pretty bad right now so Washington are a very viable candidate right now for the number one overall pick the Cincinnati Bengals are probably just as viable because Cincinnati and I feel bad for Zach Taylor he's a first-year head coach he was the Rams QB coach the last couple years but I feel bad because it's not really Taylor's fault. He inherited a terrible roster that that included Andy Dalton. And again, the best offensive player on the team, A.J. Green, he's been hurt. And so you end up with a really bad, winless Cincinnati team. Do I think Cincinnati could go winless? Maybe. But, like, this team just... 
they need I've been saying this for the last few years, but they need to rebuild. They have to blow this up. Like Miami, who's the team I'll get to here in a minute. Miami at least had the ability to see the fact that, you know what? We're not that good right now. And so we're going to blow it up and start over. At least they have a plan. They're trying to do something. Cincinnati have insisted on trying to stick with mediocrity forever. And now it's catching up to them because they realize, oh, no. Our quarterback isn't actually very good at all, and we should have realized this years ago. And, oh no, we don't have a good offensive line at all, and we should have realized this years ago. And, oh no, our defense that was really good, like, you know, several years ago is now really old and not good anymore. Cincinnati are in a really bad spot, is kind of my point. It's going to be a long couple years, I think, for the Bengals franchise. And I really hope they don't fire Zach Taylor just because... Of one horrible season because again if you're a first-year head coach inheriting that roster what are you supposed to do and you're missing your best offensive player like that's it's hard to see real reasoning for not having sympathy for Zach Taylor right now and finally the Miami Dolphins they're just flat-out tanking they're I know they're not they're not saying this that you know but they're pretty much losing on purpose like it, it certainly seems that way when you trade Kenny Stills when you trade Laramie Tunsil and you get rid of Tannehill which by the way most of those are smart I mean you're you're basically accepting the fact that you're not going to win that that much and you're kind of losing on purpose and, and Miami kind of are and that's okay I don't have a problem with that because they're tanking, but they have a plan. They have a whole ton of draft picks. And so next year, the team's going to be like half is going to be out and a new half of the team is going to be there. And so that's that's a good thing. Miami were a team that was mediocre and they're blowing it up and starting over. So at least they have a plan. And I'm glad about that. They're not very good right now. And I think they're they're probably the best candidate to go 0-16. But don't count out Washington. Don't count out Cincinnati. All of these teams are really bad. The difference is Miami have a plan because they're trying to be bad to get a good draft pick and rebuild through the draft. The other two teams are in denial about their own situations. So that's kind of the big difference right now for me. Anyway, that's it. That's all I got on NFL Week 5. Coming up in the second half of my show, European Soccer Recap and World Track and Field Championship Recap as well. In my music break, I have two songs. The first one is Metallica with Enter Sandman, and the second one is Backstreet Boys with I Want It That Way. Listen to CMRU.ca by students for you.
by students for you. Welcome back to Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by students for you. I'm into the second half hour of my show and I'm going to start with a European soccer recap. I haven't gotten to do one since I came back for my show following my little break in the summer. So I'll get straight into all the five major leagues and a little bit of the Champions League as well. I'll start in the Bundesliga because this one is really fascinating to me. There is parody. I don't think I've ever said the word parody and European soccer leagues ever, ever, just ever. Yeah, there's parody in the Bundesliga. Just wow. I mean, who saw that coming? Anyway, it's very exciting because right now in the Bundesliga, Borussia Mönchengladbach actually lead the league with 16 points. They have five wins, a draw, and a loss so far on the season. They also have the second best defense in the entire Bundesliga, and that's probably a big reason why they're first place right now. Wolfsburg are second place. They have 15 points, so just one behind Mönchengladbach. And then you have Bayern Munich, who have 14 points, and currently the best goal difference in the league. And then you have Leipzig, 
Freiburg, Schalke, and Leverkusen, all with 14 points, which is only two behind the leader. And then eighth place Dortmund have 12, so that's only four behind the leader and two behind the, you know, seven teams that seem to be packed together right now. Frankfurt have 11, and Hertha Berlin have 10. So from 1 to 10, the gap is 6 points, which isn't a lot, especially this early in the season. So, I mean, massive, massive credit to the Bundesliga kind of catching up. I think this is probably just a temporary thing because I would imagine Bayern Munich at some point will take over and win the league. But I do think Bayern's slow start to the season in the Bundesliga has a lot to do with the fact that they are focusing and prioritizing the Champions League, which makes sense. They've won the Bundesliga so many times at this point that it doesn't mean a lot to them compared to what a Champions League title would mean for them because they haven't won one of those since 2013. For these other teams, though, I mean... If, if you're going to do it any year, may as well be this year as far as you got Bayern Munich in a slow start and you have a whole lot of teams jumbled together. So if you're Leipzig, if you're Dortmund, if you're Leverkusen, if you're Gladbach, go for it. <laughs> go all in. Try and give us some real competition in the Bundesliga this year. But there is real parity in this league. Although, one thing there is not parity in for this league, the goal scoring. Because Robert Lewandowski has 11 goals. And the guys tied for second have five. Lewandowski has been in superb form this season for Bayern Munich. And that's part of the reason why I think eventually they'll, you know, overtake everybody else. But for right now, we have a nice little moment of parody in Germany. Moving on to England, where it's basically the same story as last year, except one team might be pulling away here very early. So... The league has already been decided that it's Liverpool versus Manchester City and everyone else doesn't matter. And I know that people are going to say, oh, but Arsenal are one point behind Manchester City. Yes, they are. But Manchester City aren't realistically in any way threatened by Arsenal, and I'll tell you why. So right now, the point totals maybe don't greatly represent... Like, they do represent the league to some degree. But I'm going to look at the goals for and the goals against right now and the goal differential, which is, to me, big factors of how good the team is. So, Liverpool are first place because they've won every single game. They have the best defense in the league with six, only six goals conceded in eight matches. They've scored 20, which is the second best in the league, and they have a plus 14 goal difference, 24 points. Manchester City have five wins, one draw, and two losses so far. They have 27 goals for, which is first in the league, Nine goals conceded, which is tied for the fourth best right now. And then they have a plus 18 goal differential, which is best in the league and 16 points. Arsenal, who are third place, have a plus two goal differential. They've only scored 13 goals compared to Manchester City's 27, and they've conceded two more goals than City. They're not really close. They might be close on a point total thing, but Arsenal aren't close to Man City right now. And then you have Leicester, who are doing a nice little opening surprise to everybody, where they're, you know, a lot better. I think they're a lot higher than people thought they would be, which is great, because, I mean, last time Leicester did that, they won the league, and I don't think that'll happen this time. But granted, I mean, you know, if Leicester could make the top four race really interesting, that would be really fun. Liverpool, though, the reason why I say they might be starting to pull away from Manchester City is because right now they have a pretty good gap. It's eight points, an eight-point gap at the top of the Premier League at this very moment. I'm not saying that's insurmountable because it's not. It's still very early in the season. But one more loss for City, and all of a sudden it gets really scary, especially if you're a fan of Man United because Liverpool at that point would be 11 points clear and in my eyes probably a pretty good bet to win the thing so we'll see as far as the rest of the Premier League Manchester United are in 12th which of course I mean they Man United right now are just in total shambles I really don't know what to make of them like they've they've tried a whole lot of stuff it's just Solskjaer's gonna get fired but that's just you know they fired so many coaches, and it's just at this point, 
it's a personnel thing for United, but it might be a culture thing. And that's really scary for United fans to think about because their culture has been one of the best in football. They have won so many matches. They've won so many trophies. But they're 12th and they're not like they haven't done well. They haven't won a lot the last little while. And it, it looks like that culture has taken a turn for the worse since Ferguson left. Anyway, that's the Premier League. On to La Liga, where the three teams that we thought would be in the top three are in the top three. But thankfully, they're very close to each other. So there's a lot of competition. Not parity, difference. Competition. So Real Madrid sit in first place with 18. Barcelona sit in second with 16 points. And then Atletico sit with 15 points in third. So very close in La Liga. The three teams we thought would be there are there. And so that's nice to see, just because there is competition this year in La Liga. I do think Barcelona is still the favorite here just because when they get fully healthy, their team is just so talented. I think they'll probably win it, but there's competition and that's very nice to see. And for Real Madrid, their league performances their league performances are at least something they can hang their hat on unlike their Champions League ones, which I'll get to here in a minute. On to Ligue 1 in France where PSG unsurprisingly are first place with 21 points, and like I was talking about in the Premier League with the goal differential thing, their goal differential is plus 13, and Nantes, who is in second place, is plus 4. Even though they're two points behind, they're not really that close, and so I think PSG, league on one team league, kind of like it is most years. And then Syria it was so promising because Inter Milan started out so well, 6-0 and in their first several matches, and they lost to Juventus this weekend, and... I mean, it was close, but like, yeah, Juve are just better. And so I'm hoping Inter can keep pace because right now no one else seems to be able to. But I'm not going to hold my breath on Syria at this very moment. And then the Champions League. Very quickly, I'll go through some notable takeaways. Group A, Real Madrid are in total crisis mode right now in the Champions League. No wins, one draw, one loss through two matches, and PSG have already basically won the group. So, congrats to Paris Saint-Germain. But Real Madrid are right now in a very, very bad spot in the Champions League. Group B, Bayern Munich comfortably in first. Tottenham, I mean, their season has just been awful. I mean, wow. If you want to talk about what team that, you know, is having a... It's not even a championship hangover. They didn't win anything. But they made the Champions League final last year. And now, last place in their group. Not great. Group C, pretty much what most people thought it would be. City are in first. Atalanta, I think, at some point will fight for second place. But Shakhtar Donetsk currently hold that spot. Group D, Atletico Juve lead the group. Pretty much what everyone thought it, that would be. Group E, Napoli lead right now because they got a big win over Liverpool in the first match day, which was a massive win for them. Liverpool, I still think, will comfortably finish in the top two, but Napoli are going to fight them for first, and that'll be fun. Group F, Dortmund and Barcelona have a little bit of a gap right now as Inter, that tie with Slavia Praha right now is not looking good for their record, and so Inter are going to need to turn it around real fast. They have a game against Dortmund coming up that will determine a lot, I think, in Group F. Group G, meanwhile, pretty wide open group if I'm honest, and Leipzig, Lyonnais, and Zenit all very much in the fighting right now for first. And Group H, Ajax have gone out to a 2-0 start to the Champions League, the semifinalists from last year, still playing well despite the fact they lost a lot of important players. And then, of course, you have Chelsea and Valencia currently with three points each. I still think Chelsea are probably pretty good for qualifying, but not a guarantee. Chelsea definitely have a long way to go in this group. Anyway, that's it. That's all I got for European Soccer League recap. I'll recap the World Track and Field Championships coming up. For right now, I'm continuing with my 90s theme. And the next song is The Verve with Bittersweet Symphony. Find something you recognize on cmru.ca. Bye, students. For you.
To CMRU.ca. By students for you. Welcome back to Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by students for you. My last segment of the day is about the World Track and Field Championships that came to a close this past weekend. It's a really cool competition. I kind of wish there was more interest in it, but I get it. The crowd sizes. And just the overall general interest in this hasn't been great. And I think the timing, too. End of September is not great. But it is still a tune-up for the Olympic Games in Tokyo. So still very exciting. And I'm going to pick out some highlights from the competition over the last week. 
And I'll start with the 4x100 meter relays. On the men's side, the United States won with a time of 37.10. I think that was pretty expected, although Japan gave them a really good fight, and it wasn't until Noah Lyles pulled away in the last 50-ish meters that the United States were secured to their victory. Japan was very close to sneaking up on them. Britain actually ended up passing Japan in the end for the silver medal in the 4x1 on the men's side. And on the women's side, Britain also won the silver medal, although Jamaica, I mean, they kind of cruised to victory thanks to a brilliant third leg run by Janiel Smith, who just obliterated everyone else around the curve. And then they had a pretty easy, comfortable final leg to win the 4x1 on the women's side. The 400 meters, Michael Norman was the big favorite coming into this, but he went down in the semifinals because he suffered an injury and so was unable to compete in the final. And massive props to Gardner of the Bahamas. Stephen Gardner won the gold medal, and he ran a fantastic time, a national record, 43.48. So fantastic job by Gardner, although... And I'm not trying to diminish the win in any way, but I wish Norman and even Van Nieker, who couldn't compete in this competition at all, I wish those guys could have raced alongside Gardner because I think it would have been fantastic to watch. And then the 200 meters, Noah Lyles won the gold medal, which I think was pretty expected, although Andre de Grasse of Canada won the silver medal, which is fantastic for him. And again, for Andre de Grasse, considering how many injuries he has gone through and just to see him winning a bronze and winning a silver was fantastic and I love seeing that and so I think Andre de Grasse is going to be a fantastic candidate for possibly winning gold in Tokyo and then we have the 200 meters on the women's side Dinah Asher Smith of Great Britain ran a national record 21.88 to win the gold medal and then, just a little bit of a shout-out, the men's 10,000 meters, because even though Chip Tagai of Uganda ended up winning the gold medal, Mohamed Ahmed of Canada, who finished sixth place in this race, ran a national record, 26 minutes, 59 seconds. So massive props to Ahmed of Canada in that race. That's it. That's all I got for my show here today. I want to thank everyone for tuning in today. And again, I'll be back next week with a fantastic show. And to end my show today, I have House of Pain and Jump Around. Just eat